Brian Lehrer on WNYC. And now on this last day of midwinter recess, President's Week in most of our local public school districts, we will end today with sort of a temperature check for teachers before you have to go back on Monday. How are you doing? What's the hardest part and most rewarding part of teaching in 2024? 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. Teachers, you know we love to do some call-ins for you specifically on days and weeks and in the summer when school is out. So how are you doing? What's the hardest part and most rewarding part of teaching in 2024? 212-433-WNYC. I realize that's a very general question. You can take it anywhere you want. For the last uh, 17 minutes or so of the show today, teachers, the lines are yours. Uh, A more specific question, um, might have to do with whether you are considering leaving the teaching profession or recently have. Specifically, the education news site Chalkbeat recently reported that more than 8%, 8% of New York City's teachers left the education department between the fall of 2021 and the fall of 2022. Now, that was at the height of the pandemic or starting to recover from the pandemic when things were particularly hard for teachers and students, higher than usual. But the teaching profession always has a retention problem. A discouraging percentage, and I don't have this number in front of me, but we've done segments on it before, a discouraging percentage of new teachers quit in the first five years. So if you're on the cusp of leaving, talk it out with us. What are you finding especially different about, or difficult, I should say, about this year and what might make you stay? 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. Give us a call. Or any teacher thinking of leaving or not, how are you doing? What's the hardest part and most rewarding part of teaching at any level of, let's say, pre-K through 12 in 2024? 212-433-9692. Call or text. I think we've all gained this appreciation, especially in the last few years, of just how your job, how hard your jobs can be. I hope we have. I know a lot of people haven't, right? I know you take a lot of, there's a word that begins with S and a word begins with C that I won't say, that, that you take all the time. You know, I can think back to the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, 2010, around there, right? People used to say, Wall Street crashed the economy, but the country took it out on teachers. Did you live through some of that, where with so many states facing um, fiscal crises after the Great Recession started, there was a lot of focus. Uh, The Republican governor of Wisconsin was at the leading edge of this, and other people were too. And why are we paying teachers so much? Why are they getting so many benefits? Why don't they have to work also? You know, all of that stuff. So Wall Street crashed the economy and we took it out on the teachers. That was then. And what about now in this post-pandemic world? 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. For any teacher thinking of leaving the profession or any teacher even not thinking of leaving the profession, How are you doing? What makes you on the cusp of leaving if you're considering that? 
what's the hardest part and most rewarding part of teaching in pre-K through 12, even 3K through 12, in 2024. 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. And I'll throw one other iron on the fire here, Uh, teachers. If you've been a teacher for a while and you're staying in the profession and you know you are, how about some advice to younger teachers who may be thinking, I don't know if I can do this for my whole life. I don't know if this is for me. How about some advice on uh, surviving and thriving as a teacher for your whole career? 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692, or younger teachers who want to solicit advice like that. And we'll take your calls right after this. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. Now to the phones and calls from teachers in the audience as on this last day of February break, we're checking in on all you teachers. How are you doing? Megan in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Hi, Megan. Thanks for calling. Hey, thank you for taking my call. So you want to talk about some of the current challenges? Sure. I had been a a high school teacher for 11 years, and at times it's incredibly rewarding. It is so uh, exciting when when something clicks for kids and they can really step into their power and step into some new understanding. Um, It has been a little challenging the past stretch. I actually was lucky enough to work with my principal to create a full-time mindfulness program for ninth grade students. So they had a mindfulness Mm. class Mm -hmm. every single day for all of ninth grade. Um, And it was, it was, it was truly a dream come true and honor. If I won the lottery, I still would have done my job. (laughs) What do do you do in a (laughs) mindfulness class? Well, it's a lot of social and emotional instruction. So it's a bunch of different topics. So it's like, um, there's a, growth mindset and learning to sort of deal with difficult emotions and thinking about responsible decision-making and um, effective communication and sort of things like that. So it's, it spirals through a lot of different topics and it's all kind of founded in mindfulness. So it was, it was, a, it was truly a dream come true. Um, and my role has shifted. I'm in a different school now and I continue to love teaching. I really um, love my colleagues, love love the school leaders. And um, it's hard at times as we sort of see the teen mental health crisis, and I have a teen myself, I'm really exploding. It's just kids are really not in a good place. They're really suffering. And there's not, due to really structural and, and resource challenges, we, as a as a system, I, I can't speak for the whole system, but I'll say from my own perspective, it seems that we have some ideas about what can really impact kids, what can really help them to heal from whatever they've encountered up until this point, and then really think about what what they need to put in place to be their full potential, to be their full self, to, to give to themselves and to the world all that they have to offer. But it's very hard given the current state of things teachers can, you can't just kind of 
throw it on on top of everything yeah. else. For in my opinion, like what's required right now is a really strategic, um, intentional approach that takes children through a process where they can heal and and really. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being being so thoughtful about all that and starting off this call in, Megan. Thank you very much. Oh, this could be interesting. Here's Joy in Manhattan, who teaches in Canada, but is here in New York City, I think, to do an education doctorate. Joy, do I have that right? Hi, you're on WNYC. Yes, hi, you do. You have that correct. Um, yeah, so... Boy, I got a couple of uh, points because our, our system, now of course our system is province uh, directed, uh, similar to here in the U.S. how it is by uh, by each state. No, actually I'm wrong because you guys have a national um, uh, education thing. But anyways, in Canada, we invest uh, heavily into public education and um, and this makes significant differences. Uh, one of them is that we as teachers are very well paid. So, very, well, very well. I mean, yeah, my starting salary was uh, was quite high uh, 25 years ago. At this moment right now, after 25 years of teaching, I would be sitting at about $100,000 a year mm-hmm. um, in, in, in income. And that is, that is standard, okay? Um, and so as a result, it is not uncommon that in Canada we have people who are career teachers. And um, so this provides a tremendous amount of stability. We can't, uh, we are only allowed to retire or, or leave our jobs at certain periods of the year, um, which are aligned with the school schedules, like, um, you know, in the end of December, the end of our spring break, and at the end of the, the school year. Um, but two other points I'd just like to make is that um, one of the problems uh, is that in general, the, the, um, Structures of education in North America are based on an industrial model. That is when public education became uh, a thing, and we still have that industrial model in place. I'm uh, referring to ratios, numbers of children to students, um, things like that, and, and so society has changed. And while teachers now, um, and this has been building for a long time, and it needs to, uh, teachers are required to attend to so many individual um, uh, needs and requirements, which is where we are in society now. Uh, it is very difficult to do that times 30. And uh, the amount of pressure that teachers are under on a daily basis is immense. And the demands that are made upon them, and because these are children, you know, you can't you can't ignore them. You're not in your job. Joy, I'm going to leave it there so I can get some other folks on, but I appreciate all those points, and the cross-cultural comparison is very interesting. I think the UFT would want to pipe up and say, hey, when you get to 25 years in the New York City school system, you're at six figures also in many cases. Um, I think that's that's the case, but but we do know that around the country— teacher pay is much, much worse than it is in New York City. And that's not to say it's so great here either and at, you know, many levels. Uh, but that's there's a, so much variability in the United States, uh, shockingly so, regarding teacher pay. Patrick in Norwood, New Jersey today, but who teaches in the city. Patrick, you're on WNYC. Hi there. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. So how are you doing? 
Uh, so I'm all right. Um, last day of break, so I can't complain. Uh, I've been a DOE teacher for the past 11 years in the Bronx. I've taught high school math that whole time. Uh, the class that I've taught the most is Algebra 2. And Algebra 2 students this year are struggling. Uh, a lot of my students just don't have the prerequisite skills from previous grades, either because they were learning it during the height of the pandemic or they never learned it in the first place because their teachers didn't cover it. Um, and on top of that, the city is rolling out a new math curriculum called Illustrative Math that isn't really clicking for a lot of my students, I got to say. Hmm. Uh, give me the 20-second version of what illustrative math is compared to other ways to teach. Before illustrative math, every math teacher in the city made their own curriculum, basically. Now the city is trying to say that we all need to follow it. The Algebra 1 teacher at my school has a coach come in and check off what day they are at the calendar. So it's trying to be very industrialized, as a previous caller said. Interesting. All right. We talk so much about the reading curriculum and how they're going back to a kind of phonics-based approach after the whole language approach was was deemed too much of a failure. Maybe we need to do segments on the math curriculum. We're going to look into illustrative math further. Gia in Ridgewood, Queens. You're on WNYC. Hi, Gia. Hi. Thank you so much, Brian, for having us on. Um, so I've been a New York City public school teacher, special education teacher, for about 24 years, and in my experience, um, since mayoral control, um, we've experienced a lot of top-down decision-making, and I really feel like I've lost a lot of teacher friends, uh, folks who are related service providers, and the schools supporting students with special needs um, who've left because of burnout. There's very little space under mayoral control for educators who are actually working with students to um, talk about what's needed, um, to talk about how we're teaching to students and not to standardize tests. Um, with every mayor comes sweeping changes. Um, it's treated almost like a corporation uh, that really pushes out um, educators who've been doing this work for a long wow. time. Do you think it would be different if there was local or district level control? Absolutely. I think there were spaces where there was actual input from educators and families and students um, about curriculum, about uh, pedagogy, about how to teach um, and what's important, uh, what needs to be prioritized instead of decisions being made completely top-down with zero input, I think it would make all the difference. Gia, thank you very much. Let's get one in here, one more in here. Onika in Brooklyn, you're on WNYC. Onika, we've got 30 seconds for you. Hi. Oh, hi. Um, um, I've been a special education teacher for um, eight years, um, and as a black educator, um, my experience in navigating a, one of the most segregating school systems in, in the country has its own challenges. Um, conversations about addressing inequity has truly been surface level, and um, your previous guest spoke about um, how poverty is racialized in the city, in this country. And it's really evident in the education system, especially in the special ed education um, system. Um, Real quick, what's the, one biggest, what's the one biggest change that would help? Ten seconds. Honestly, tutoring. Equity in tutoring for black and brown underprivileged 
um, communities. Equity in tutoring. Onika, I apologize for cutting you off. We're, we're fresh out of time, but equity in tutoring are the last words on the show for today and this week. Teachers, good luck as you go back to school on Monday.